Hi ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. So ladies, today we are in 1 Chronicles chapter 17 through 22. Up to this section, we have seen the lineage of King David, his inauguration, his mighty men, his taking of Jerusalem from the Jebusites, how he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and now King David is established as the king of all Israel. David had built himself a home, and now it bothers him that God does not have a home. David shares this concern with Nathan the prophet about his desire to build the ark a house. And Nathan said, go for it. But that night, the Lord told Nathan to go back to David and tell him he is not to build him a house. It then says in verse 5 and 6 of chapter 17, For I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up Israel until today, but I have gone from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another. God moved with his people. Then God says to David, I will build you a house. Your son will build me a house. And then God says, But I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne will be established forevermore. Ladies, it's this promise right here that all of the rest of the Old Testament and the New Testament centers on. When David the king heard this promise, he sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me here? He then praises the Lord. The chronicler then points out King David's military successes, which expanded Israel's territory. And verse 13 of chapter 18 says that the Lord preserved, or in other words, blessed or gave victory to David wherever he went. We then see that David reigned over all Israel with justice among the people. We then meet David's officials who helped him. We then see more battles that he and his men won. There was a couple of battles with the Ammonites, which they started. Then there was a victory over the Syrians who had helped the Ammonites. The Philistines had another giant, the brother of Goliath, and David's nephew Jonathan beat him. Then verse 8 of chapter 20 says, And they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. David didn't do this all by himself. In chapter 21, verse 1, it reads, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. In other words, David had the idea to take a census. This is first shown in 2 Samuel chapter 24. In that verse 1, it says, And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. The writer of Samuel says the Lord initiated it, and the chronicler says Satan initiated. This is one of those things that we struggle with in the faith. We will look at this much more closely with Job. Is God the initiator of bad things? And if he is sovereign, all-powerful, then why doesn't he stop evil? 
Or does God allow it? And if yes, then why? Jesus' half-brother, James, wrote in his letter to the New Testament, also called James, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither will he tempt anyone. But everyone is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust, and then he's enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished or finished, it brings forth death. One way Satan tries to get us is to think that God is not good. In the Chronicles of Narnia, book one, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis writes about the lion Aslan. Susan asks Mr. Beaver, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver responds, Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. In this world in which we live, there are powers of good and powers of evil. And then we also have our own sinful nature, which seems to be both at times. God's on the good side, always. So, David wants to take a census and directs Joab to head it up. Joab warns him that it's not a good idea, but the king continues. The results showed that the northern tribes had more than Judah, the southern tribes. Now the Levites were excluded because they served the Lord and Benjamin was not counted and we don't know why except maybe because King Saul came from there. Interestingly, in verse 6 of chapter 21, it says that the king's word was abominable to Joab. And then verse 7 says, God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, he smote Israel. Verse 8 shows that David said he sinned greatly. So the chronicler does include some of David's sins. The prophet Gad came to David and said, you pick one of three. Either three years famine, three months of being destroyed by your enemies, or three days of the sword of the Lord with pestilence in the land in punishment for your sin. David chose number three because he knew that the Lord was merciful. The angel of death came and struck Israel, and then it stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. The Jebusites were the original people of Jerusalem, and so here he is in Jerusalem, the town. David lifted up his eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing between the earth and heaven with a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. David and the elders were clothed in sackcloth, which are mourning clothes, and fell on their faces. Again, David confessed that it was his sin that brought this evil. Then he interceded and begged that the punishment be upon himself and his family and not on the people of Israel. God spoke through the prophet Gad again and told David to go up and to set an altar unto the Lord in the threshold of Ornan the Jebusite. Well, Ornan saw the angel himself and his four sons with him. At the time, Ornan was threshing wheat. That is when they break open the wheat and throw it up in the air and the wind blows away the chaff because it's lighter and the seed falls back down because it's heavier. David told Ornan what he needed to do. 
Ornan was going to give it to him for free, but David said no. He would buy it for the full price because he would not give an offering to the Lord without cost. So David bought it. He built it, the altar. He offered sacrifices, and the Lord answered by fire on the altar. At the Lord's command, the angel then put his sword into his sheath. When David saw that the Lord had answered his prayer, he then made a sacrifice for himself. Then David said, chapter 22, This is the house of the Lord, and this is the burnt offering for Israel. Then we see that even though the Lord would not allow David to build the temple because he was a man of war and because he shed blood, which we find in chapter 22, verse 8, as well as chapter 28, verse 3, he did get things ready for Solomon to build it. He gets stones and cedar trees and gold, silver, brass, and iron. He then calls for Solomon, his son, who was, quote, young and tender at the time and charged him to build the temple. He told Solomon that God said Solomon would be the one to build it. David then blessed him that the Lord would give him wisdom and understanding and charged him to keep the law of the Lord your God and may the Lord be with you. Then David also charged all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon build the temple, as well as to set their hearts and their souls to seek the Lord their God. There are two things that stand out to me today, ladies. The first is that King David had help from many people in order to make his kingdom great, and King Solomon was going to need help to build the temple. We cannot build the kingdom of God alone. We need each other with our various gifts. Plus, we need to know we're not alone on this walk of faith. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that all Christians make up the body of Christ in the same way as a body has an eye and a nose or a leg or a big toe. All parts are important. And when one hurts, like when you get a paper cut on your finger, we all hurt. Ladies, we need each other. The other thing that stands out is the promise God made to David. I will make you a house. The Apostle Paul also writes, but this time it's in Ephesians chapter 2, that as Christians, we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. We are built on the foundation of the apostles, which are the New Testament preachers and seers of Jesus Christ, and the prophets, the Old Testament preachers, and the seers of God. Then he says that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone in whom all of us are fitly framed together, growing unto a holy temple of the Lord, in whom we are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. God's ultimate house is believers in Christ. Then we see another glimpse in the last book of the New Testament, Revelation, in the last two chapters of this amazing book. When the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, And in chapter 21, verse 3, the Apostle John writes, 
And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. So ladies, are you trying to do this Christian walk alone? We need one another. Find a church or a ladies group or a Bible study and make Christian relationships. We need each other. Let's also remember that God is good all the time and he sits on his throne. And in Revelation 21 verse 5 it says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Right, for these words are faithful and true. And as John also says, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening. Bye.